You've eaten Gotham's wealth, its spirit, but your feast is nearly over. This is not my hole. It's an operating table. And I'm the surgeon. Why aren't you laughing? From this moment on, none of you are safe. Welcome to the Batman Book Club, a podcast exploring the Dark Knight Library. I am your host, Ryan Lauer. Make sure to follow the Batman Book Club on Twitter at the Batman BC for new episodes, upcoming episodes, and even giveaways. We had one for Three Jokers issue number one and plan on having more, so keep an eye out for that. You can also follow me on Twitter at Lauer underscore Ryan. Lauer, spelled like lower. The Batman Book Club is also a proud member of the Batman Podcast Network, hosted by Batman on Film. You can also write in for questions, comments, concerns, or anything Batman-related at all at thebatmanbc at gmail.com. Lastly, please rate and review the show. The link is in the description of this episode. It'll help spread the word, and the word is panic. Today, we are traveling to Gotham through one of the famous gates to discuss Gates of Gotham. And I can't do this alone, so welcome to the show for the very first time, Mr. Eric Carter. Hello, Eric. Hi, Ryan. Uh, thanks for the invite. Thanks for having me on. Um, I'm a gigantic Scott Snyder fan, so this was this was a perfect book to to dive in on for uh, my first episode with you. Yes, sir. I I appreciate you uh, being a listener. You've listened to the episodes. You reached out to me about this book specifically, and I thought, you know what? Nobody has called that. Would you like to be on and do this? And you said yes, absolutely. So I'm glad that we got to. Got to sneak this in. Now, I want to start this since this is your first time on the show. Eric, what is your favorite Batman story? So I kind of buried the lead a little bit um, with my Scott Snyder love. But uh, my uh, my favorite Batman story of all time is The Court of Owls. Um, nice. It was actually my reintroduction back into comics because I had fell out of comics for a long time. You know, I think everybody goes through that spell uh, once in a while. but it's just it, it, life got in the way. I wasn't I wasn't as interested as I used to be. And then um, just actually through the uh, Christian Bale movies, I got really interested in reading again. The Scott Snyder run in the New Fifty Two was the first story I picked back up, and it blew me away. So yeah, Court of Owls is is my absolute favorite Batman story. Now, did you start picking up like issue by issue? Like as soon as the first as Batman one hit the stands, you started to. You started from there, or did you wait until it was like a collected version? No, I actually did get the issues. I jumped in like it was issue five or six, and I was really confused because at the time, (laughs) where I'm from is a very small hometown. We didn't actually have a comic shop, so I had the mail subscription where they would send it to my mailbox. So yeah, I picked it up around issue five or six, was really confused. So I hunted around to the to the nearest city and went and picked up the, the, the first five issues. But yeah, I read it in single floppy editions. Well done. Well done. Yeah, that was actually episode nine and ten of this show. Kevin Gallagher from uh, Philadelphia came on to do that. And it was funny because with that even... I was like, okay, so we'll try and keep it around an hour. And I noticed that we had gotten to an hour and we were like on issue five or something like that. I'm like, yeah, dude, we got to split this up into two episodes because 
like this is too good. We're not going to cap off our conversation because that I don't know if there's been so I really I got back into weekly reading comics in 2006 um, and have been since then. And my whole time, I don't know that there's been an instant classic like Court of Owls. I think as that one was even halfway through, it just kind of realized that as long as the ending isn't just awful, like this is this is one of the greatest. And I think looking back on it now, it's almost like it's in top 10 lists everywhere of oh, Court of Owls, Court of Owls, Court of Owls. Oh, yeah. It's, it was an instant classic. And uh, I did listen to both of those episodes. Uh, in fact, I tweeted you guys about those uh, episodes. I loved them. I, I was very uh, enthralled with them. But uh, yeah, um, I think actually the Joker war that's going on right now is the most I've been invested in a story instantly since the Court of Owls. Oh, nice. I I think Joker war has rebounded from the from the beginning issues, the setup issues, I guess you'd say from Tynan's run on, on Batman. I wasn't overly impressed with those, the designer ones. I was kind of like, eh, but since Joker war started, I've really liked Joker war. And I've even jumped into some of the other, you know, some, some of the tie-ins like through uh, the Batgirl and then Nightwing and stuff like that. So you say you listened to our court of Owls episodes. Is there anything off top of your head that we left out that totally frustrated you or was it acceptable? Oh, um, putting you on the spot here. You are. It's been a a little while since I listened to the episodes. Um, I think that might mean that we did okay then. Because if we really did, if if we really botched something, you'd be like, yeah, Ryan, actually, I do have a problem with what you guys left out. And so, yeah, I know. I mean, it was so, (laughs) it was so in depth. You split it into two episodes. So I really don't know that you missed very much. Oh, thank goodness. We're here to please. We're here to please. Today, though, we're going to talk about a story that kicked off actually like right before New 52 and right before the Court of Owls kicked off. And it does include that Scott Snyder fella. I think he knows what he's doing. He did not script the story. He helped do the story of Gates of Gotham with Kyle Higgins, mm-hmm. which I think is always smart on DC's part in Scott Snyder, and he is their breadwinner, slap his name in any way whatsoever. Like, if he just so happened to read one of the comics, they throw that in there, credit him, read by Scott Snyder, something like that, anything they can throw his name on. So it was smart for them to do that here, but he seemed like very much in like a mentor role for Kyle Higgins. Mm -hmm. Uh, With some quick, quick little backstory, this Gates of Gotham was a five-issue series launched in May of 2011. Um, issue came out in May, June, July, and then August. I think because New 52 is getting ready to launch in September, they hurried and rushed out issues four and five that month. Uh, the book is on DC Universe and the individual issues. It's available in trade paperback. And in 2018, a hardcover deluxe edition was released. That is the version that I bought. I did get the issues when they first came out, and I held out for a long time, and I just got the deluxe, and it is. Uh, I like what DC is doing in these deluxe editions, just printing stories on larger pages to really get the art out there. And I think that looks really good. Uh, what version did you read for, for this? I actually just have the trade paperback. Um, hmm. The deluxe edition is on its way. <laughs> I actually, nice. 
I actually didn't even realize that that was a thing until I messaged you about the book. Uh huh. And I remember you saying something about the deluxe edition. Uh, yeah, and I didn't even know it existed. So, and, <laughs> and actually, for a while there, until you messaged me the other day and said, "Hey, it's 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 time to record this episode," I had forgotten completely about that again. So, <laughs> so I went online and I picked it up. Uh, so it's it's on its way. But um, yeah, my old trusty trade paperback is the is the version that I read. There you go. So I. I held off from the trade when it first came back because I had the individual issues and I was trying to be like responsible. And I'm like, I don't need to buy a trade. I've got the single issues. I'll just go to that. And then Mm -hmm. I'm also a sucker for hardcovers. When something comes out in hardcover, I prefer the hardcover. So yeah, this just kind of sang to me of once it, once it came out of like, okay, yep, it's time. It is time. So let's see what made you pick gates of Gotham. Um, Well, like I said, it's, it's kind of a Snyder draw, even though, like you said, he's he's a little bit of a uh, mentor here. Uh-huh. Um, but much like, and I've, I've already talked about Court of Owls being my favorite story, much like that book, um, this book dives into Gotham's history. Mm-hmm. And that's really intriguing to me. Anytime a, a Batman story kind of uh, goes back into the Alan Wayne era of Gotham, I, they've got me hooked immediately because I, I love period pieces anyway. So um, right from the first few pages, this book just hooked me. I think that's kind of why it stands out for me a lot too, is because it's giving us a history and a backstory in a way or covering like a topic that I don't, I don't remember coming across very much prior to this, maybe since I don't know, but it's done in a way that, isn't like taking credit for all these major events that have happened in Batman comics over 80 years. You know, I I'm, I'm not a huge fan of that kind of stuff of somebody comes along like, Hey, I know we'll, we'll have the gates of Gotham be the reason the Joker's the Joker and the penguins, the penguin and Riddler's Riddler. Like it didn't do that at all. It just talked about like the architecture, but an interesting aspect of the architecture. And I know that almost sounds like really nerdy of like, what architecture is like the main villain in a Batman book? No, no, no. There's more to it than that. But I, yeah, I'm with you on, I really like the, the historical angle included here. I think it's just, it's done really well. And I'm not going to spoil the deluxe edition for you. I also kind of get sucked in when there's like forwards or afterwards or something like that written in deluxe editions. But Kyle Higgins tells a really cool story about he was, he'd received a call asking, how would you feel about working on a Batman miniseries with Scott Snyder? And he was floored about it and like, what really? Absolutely. And they're like, great. We're soliciting the book in two days. Basically come up with, <laughs> come up with the mystery. They said, we want to talk about the gates of Gotham. Okay. Well, what's the mystery? Well, that's why that's up to you. Two days. Like, okay, no pressure. And he goes in to explain a little bit more about how it was, you know, obviously comfortable to have the safety net of Scott Snyder there, but also the expectation level of, oh my God, it's Scott Snyder. Like, I can't fail this dude, you know? (laughs) So at at the time that this came out, had Black Mirror just came out? Yeah, he was actually, it says that too, he was a few issues into the Black Mirror run. Okay. So he had established himself because of work prior to, but then... Black Mirror was really, 
I don't think that it had the instant classic like Court of Owls did, but by the time that Black Mirror finished that story, then it was like, oh, this is a classic. You know what I mean? Like it, it was definitely building and building on that one. Also a book that I covered on episode six. Like, woo, we love Scott Snyder on the Batman book club. What do you know? <laughs> nothing wrong with that. No, nothing wrong with that. So I think the like spoilers for anybody that's listening that maybe hasn't read this story. If you don't want anything spoiled, go read it and then come back and listen. Cause we're, we're going to ruin everything. Okay. And three, two, one. Okay. Ruining everything. So I, I really like in kicking it off the using the three main, almost main character, three of the four main characters from the, in the past are Wayne's Elliot's and Cobblepot's mm-hmm. and Alan Wayne Theodore Cobblepot and Edward Elliot who control like maybe I missed it on what um, Alan Wayne exactly is, but Edward Elliot controlled basically like the media and then Cobblepot was the mayor. So these are big, big figures in Gotham and they're looking for toward the future and ways to really to build up Gotham. And they hire these two architect brothers, Nicholas and Bradley whom we don't know their last name at first in which I guess I never, the the glory of reading this book for me is that I actually like don't remember it every time I reread it. Like I've probably read it, I don't know, five, six times, but it's so spaced out that I do almost kind of forget what the, okay, there's a bad guy, but who is he? How is he related to the past? What happened in the past? And I think that always makes it a very, enjoyable uh reread you know yeah it's like rediscovering the mystery every time yes exactly oh and um alan wayne was they they were railroad people ah yes okay railroad transportation yes there you go and so these these brothers help build bridges to connect into gotham and then i think they wanted to make the last big one was to connect to Kane County, I believe. Yeah. Fill in the blanks if I'm wrong here. And and because there's another figure of somebody Kane and bringing, and that's kind of like the, that's the headliner. Like that's, that's the big deal. And it, to bring it to present, while they're the bridges, the gates of Gotham, italicized, the gates of Gotham are, they're, they're blown up simultaneously. Mm-hmm. That's the opening of the present, the present time of this story. And so Dick Grayson as Batman has to jump into save mode, save people, try to do anything that he can. And I think that like, this is to me, that's just like an awesome way of starting the story off, you know? Yeah. And I will say uh, the first time I read this, I was extremely confused because I did not realize that Dick Grayson was Batman at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that, that's a big to up to speed on that is this is post Grant Morrison Batman RIP and then the Final Crisis where Batman's Omega sanctioned and then there's the return of Bruce Wayne and when Batman got Omega sanctioned sanctioned there we go Dick Grayson took over the cowl in Gotham but then Bruce came back as Batman and then he created Batman Incorporated where he's going to go around the world with other Batman from other countries Dick Grayson's going to stay in Gotham it's a whole whole yeah. thing 
Yeah, so I think you came say, in. <laughs> needless to say, I had to do some diving backwards <laughs> to figure out how Dick got to this point. Because, <laughs> like I said, the first time I read it, like I was like, okay, Dick Grayson's Batman. All right. So, uh, at full disclosure, I had not read Black Mirror or anything like that when I read this one. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, like I said, very confused, but I just accepted it and went on, enjoyed the story for what it was. And then after I finished this story, I did kind of a deeper dive on what the hell was going on with, with Bruce. <laughs> so I can kind of imagine maybe as you're doing your research, you pin up this big this big board, almost like a, a detective and connecting yarn from here to there and then green yarn from here to there, yellow yarn from here to here. Okay, wait, Bruce is here, but Batman Inc. is here and this is here. Oh, okay, got it. <laughs> well, no, actually it was more like, oh, Grant Morrison, got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the simple answer. Hey, what happened, Grant Morrison? That's all you need to know. Oh, okay, got it. There we go. All right, we're good. Yeah. I got to say coming up soon is going to be covering that Grant Morrison run. And that's going to be a discussion because I'm, I'm curious to hear that. Whew, that is something that's something. But anyways, for this story. So Dick Grayson is Batman. We also get a little bit of bat family in here and that we get Tim Drake as red Robin, Damian Wayne as Robin and Cassandra Kane as black bat. Uh, we also get a little bit of Commissioner Gordon and then Tommy Elliott, a.k.a. Hush, spoiler alert, also pops in here. And I think that's basically the cast outside of this, the person responsible for the bombings known as the architect, who to me kind of makes me think of oh, Ryan Haas is not going to like that. I don't remember the name, but the uh, the Scooby Doo scuba gear guy. <laughs> oh, the old cartoon like <laughs> i never thought like about it yeah right. <laughs> i it kind of makes me think of that i know it's not right on and then ryan haas will text me as soon as he hears that and tell me who it is and be like, i thought you were a fan of scooby-doo ryan <laughs> but i think that kind of oh yeah i forgot penguin pops up in here too and mm-hmm. that's that's kind of the cast so i think a, a major thing for me is maybe stories aren't like the best stories, but they are reread by me a lot when it comes to great pacing. And I think this book just kind of moves. I I remember when it first came out and waiting from month to month of like, I was impatient because it, it, it did not take me long to read each issue. And I don't know if you felt that way in reading it this time too, but I mean, I just breezed through it and not in any way is that negative. I like, as soon as I was done, I'm like, well, let's just read the next chapter. Okay. The next chapter. And it's like, Oh, it's done. Well, I could go back and read this again. Like, I just think Higgins did a great job and just keeping, keeping the story going. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, this is one of those stories, you know, there's sometimes when you get a, like a 12 issue, you know, maxi series arc, you find yourself, it's not always, but sometimes you find yourself like, man, they could have cut this or that. Yep. Um, yeah. And I, I think this benefited from the from the short, you know, miniseries style um, of putting this book together because, yeah, I mean, like you said, it just goes really quick, but you don't feel like they left anything out. Mm-mm, not at all. Like I feel like you get you get a really good story in a really small amount of you know pages here. Hmm. So yeah, let's. 
connect the the past to the present. So I'll just basically rehash what happens in the past. And I think that works really well too, is where flashbacks sometimes can be, can be almost like the, the sludge that really slows down, keep prevents the story from going. And I think the, the back, the backstory here, like the flashbacks just are really good in that you have these brothers, uh, Nicholas and Bradley who are later called Gates. Their last name is Gates, but they're architects and these leaders of Gotham want them to build this big structure. And there happens to be an accident in the process of it. And Bradley dies. He was blown away underwater. Nicholas loses his mind. And he goes after these people thinking that they're responsible. They have to own up for their, for their big mistake. Connect that to the present and these gates of Gotham, as they say, are being blown up and they're trying to figure out who did it because there is a large shipment of uh, Semtex, which I don't know. I don't make bombs, so I don't know what's in a bomb, but bomb I mean, stuff. <laughs> yeah, I've heard, of, I've heard of Semtex before, but I, yeah, I couldn't tell you exactly what it is either. <laughs> Eric, what do you do at, on your nights on your own time? <laughs> not playing with syntax. <laughs> <laughs> uh but the the bridges blow up in the present and the note that's left is you know the families will fall by the gates of gotham so definitely insinuates that oh the the gates of gotham the bridges into gotham well it's about halfway through the story that we realize from the past that this nick and brad their last names are gates and then they connect of oh it's not the gates it's the gates. Yeah. <laughs> and then that starts to snap together. And then the, the mystery, the plot thickens and they discover that there is a, an ancestor present day that basically ends up becoming the suspect and is the one that has the suit that they used from the past that he's using now to try and blow up the bridges and kill people. And that's who they go after and stop him. Da, 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 da. So after all that, how, I don't know, give me some of your, give me some of your thoughts on different aspects of the story. What did you like? Maybe what you didn't like, et cetera. So I, so I like that they play on the, on the family psychosis, like that obviously they had a, a deep seated issue already, but then mm-hmm. I love that the suits that they use um, to, to go underwater while they're building those, their bridges, um, uh, I guess constant exposure to the suit uh, causes some kind of decompression sickness, which also um, adds to that psychosis, which kind of adds to driving them mad. Um, yeah. I really, I thought that was, I thought that was a really unique, you know, way of introducing a villain or it, it you know, that's just not your, your normal comic book trope. Like um, somebody got bitten by something or struck by lightning or, you know, this or that. It was they really thought outside the box to to come up with why this person was the way that he was. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a good point. And it's something that connects another way of connecting past and present. And though, yes, we do see a familiar rogue face in the penguin. And I I don't know if I don't think of Hush as part of the rogues gallery, but he is a familiar villain now. And to bring him in too, but it's not fully reliant on a, a headlining villain. It's somebody that's new, somebody just created. And the mystery of it, I mean, 
the story begins and ends here for the quote unquote architect. And yeah, that whole, the psychosis part in the, the effects of the suit as we discover too affected Nicholas Gates back in the day. And he ended up in Arkham because of it. And the, like it, it still has over a hundred and however many years later, I mean, it has the same effects on the current, um, the current gate. And I think that's, I don't know. Yeah. It really worked for me. I thought it was really cool. Yeah. I also like the little bait and switch they did with, um, you know, from the gates point of view, you know, these, these families were, were crooked and, you know, they, they were, um, corrupt and, you know, just trying to deceive everyone. And, um, especially the two brothers. Mm hmm. And it makes it leads you to believe that it's their psychosis um, that's making them see this. But then at the end, there's a conversation between who is it? Is it Alan Wayne and Theodore Cobblepot? No, the Kane. Um, yes, gentlemen. There's this conversation between Kane and Wayne that makes you kind of think, well, maybe they weren't so crazy. Have you ever seen the movie um, Shutter Island? Yes. Okay, so you know at the end when uh, and I'm sorry for spoiling this if anybody hasn't seen it, but you, <laughs> at the end they get, they make you they leave you open to where is Leonardo DiCaprio crazy or is he does he know what he's talking about? It's kind mm-hmm. of that same thing at the end of this story. Like, so I think that's interesting. So you, so where do you fall at the end then, based on the their conversation? Where do you fall? I think it's kind of that. Um, it's that it's not black or white. It's shades of gray. Mm. So I think maybe it's a bit of both. Okay. Because by the end of that last conversation and the way that the story had played out, I thought that it was almost the, you know, they were preserving. So Wayne and Kane and Elliot and Cobblepot, they were kind of preserving the image of Gotham, but I don't think that they were doing anything wrong. Mm-hmm. And for Wayne to question Kane, Kane's response. So that's always funny. So Wayne says, did you have anything to do with it? And Kane, we are the heralds of Gotham's future, Alan. And what kind of dark, twisted future would that be if I were a man willing to do something like that? As we see in TV shows and movies, people who don't directly answer a question are always guilty. And Mr. Kane right here did not directly the question. He answered a question with a question. Mm-hmm. So that's always, that's always suspect. And it leaves it just like a little bit of doubt of kind of, that would be my shade of gray. Like you just alluded to, I think yeah. Kane leaves that, that little bit there. Wayne, I think is doing the right thing. All Wayne's do. And he's even, his shadow even creates a little bat symbol at the end. Adorable. But yeah. awesome. like, yeah, huh? No, I guess I never thought that much into it. Of is definitely a shade of gray, and like you could lean either way, huh? I thought that they were just like they were looking out for the city, and all evidence kind of pointed toward uh, Nicholas Gate was he was just kind of losing it. So very well, see, interesting. And, and that's the thing that that panel um, right before that com- right before what you just read mm-hmm. um, when you know. <laughs> Kane says he's right if, or no, Alan Wayne says he's right. If the truth comes out, nothing will be the same. 
so that that, all, that little conversation right there always made me wonder, is he talking about protecting the city or is he talking about protecting their image? Oh, my God. They were inspired by the Dark Knight. <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> this is deep. This is why this book is so good. Instant classic. One of the best of all time. Because <laughs> there's just there's no answer at the end. Or somebody's going to read it and be like, they didn't answer it. This story's the worst. <laughs> no, I think that's... It's open to interpretation, I suppose. Exactly. There you go. Nobody's wrong. Everybody's right. So there you go. Uh, uh, to talk about that, the architect, Sue, I also think that it's really actually kind of cool. The the one that Nicholas ends up wearing where he mm-hmm. ends up like back in the day, he puts on like a trench coat and a top hat with it too. Like that's creepy as the kids say AF and like, man, that's, I don't know that. I think that, that look right there is just actually really cool. <laughs> yeah. That look especially, but all of these flashback panels really give me a uh, Gotham by gaslight vibe. Yes. Well done. Yeah, absolutely. I guess I should call out first the, uh, not first, but let's go to the, the artist is Trevor McCarthy. I, so Kyle Higgins and Trevor McCarthy did team up just a couple years ago for a Nightwing story. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. I'm not sure. Maybe. Uh, um, What's it called? Nightwing, the new order. Yes. It's kind of yeah. semi-futuristic. I only read it once, and it was month to month as it came out, but I thought it was really, actually really cool, really good. Mm-hmm. And yet, these guys teamed up for that too, but nothing else as far as Trevor McCarthy really pops out in my head, so uh, shame on me. But I really I really dig his art. His yeah, art I, here. And that's what I was going to say, to be honest with you. I've, I haven't read much outside of that book that you just mentioned, and this one. Um, with Trevor McCarthy, but I really do enjoy his art style. But this is something every time I read this book, when I get to part four, uh-huh. it, it throws me off because the art is different. It's Dustin. Um, I always butcher his last name. Uh, I think I think it's Wen. Yeah, maybe so. Like sounds like W H E N, Dustin yeah. Wen. But I I for the longest time just said Nagayan, and yeah, then I don't know. I think I looked it up on YouTube or something and. Us dumb Americans, we just don't know how to pronounce pronounce the names correctly. But yeah, I think it's Dustin Wen. But yeah, I totally the on the cover of of this deluxe edition. Yeah, it's got. I mean, it lists off freaking six names, and I'm kind of like, wait, what? Why is there six names? Oh, and Scott Snyder gets the first one. Oh, that makes sense. Kyle Higgins, and then Ryan Perot or Parrot. He helped in the final three issues, write them with Kyle Higgins. And then Trevor McCarthy, Graham Nolan, we know his name, but I don't know what he exactly did with this. And then it said Dustin, Dustin Wen, and he did alternate covers of the issues. Uh, and then, yeah, I, I agree with you of opening this back up and getting to that issue. And I'm kind of like, wait, what? Yeah. Cause well, and the first, so it threw, it threw me off as soon as I opened, you know, the, or flipped over the cover of part four. And you see Damien, and he just he doesn't look like Damien. Yeah, he I don't know. It's just, and I like Dustin Wynn's uh, art normally, but uh-huh. in this, it's just I don't I don't know if it's because I got in the first three parts I got so used to reading this in in Trev, uh, Trevor McCarthy's art style that when you flip the page and it's Dustin Wynn, it's it's kind of jarring. 
Yeah, so I think that they did... I, too, like Dustin Wen's work. I really like his work on everything. I think they did an admirable job trying to keep it fitting in line. Like, they really play with shadows, and they keep... Basically, they keep every panel dark. And Mm -hmm. so it goes... I think it does go along really well with the rest of the story, but it's also noticeable that oh this is a this is something different this is something new and i used to i used to hate it back when i didn't i wasn't so involved in learning everything about behind the scenes work in media i hated it when a story got interrupted with a different artist like just i hated it because it really disrupted and messed up with the flow and then take this book for as example my guess oh we got to hurry up and we got to release the last two issues in the same month because new 52 is launching. So we need some help on the art. Let's bring in Dustin when yada, yada. So, like, so it's almost like yeah, once that I learned. Yeah. Once I start to learn that stuff, I start to understand. Like once I understand, I, I have less of a harsh view, I guess. I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah, well, I understand um, and, and sympathize that there was probably a situation like that, but for some reason, it's still like. Uh, so I have the uh, the volume one uh, Snyder and Capullo omnibus, mm-hmm. and when I get to the parts of of that of that story, it's like the tie-in issues and stuff like that in the omnibus. When it's not Capullo's art, it really throws me off. You know, <laughs> You're like so, no, New Fifty Two is Snyder and Capullo. Damn it! Exactly. So yeah, when it, it, it and I don't know why I just can't let go of that hang up when I when I hit a story like or a part of the story like this where it's a completely different artist, it sometimes it's a little jarring. But I will say that um, I think in the flashback panels in this issue, it works really well. Oh, for issue four, like it's flashbacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the ones are in the flashback works better than the present for me. Gotcha. Yeah, I see that for sure. Basically, if anybody from DC is listening. Eric, he sympathizes, but damn it, you botched it. Exactly. And he's angry. Don't so do if it you release <laughs> Yeah, if you release this in a deluxe edition part two or absolute, he is not buying it because you screwed this up. <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> yeah. I really like this story. Oh yeah, absolutely. So let's touch on uh quickly the supporting cast of Red Robin Robin and black cat. Uh, what do you think of their involvement here in the story? Because Higgins even Higgins had said, ah, I'm ruining the, the opening, the forward for you. Um, act surprised when you read it, when you finally get your deluxe edition, but almost like he felt a little, you know, he felt the pressure for the story. Almost maybe he's out of his element, but he thought that's the basis for Dick Grayson's Batman. There's a mystery. He has to solve it, not Bruce. And so then they call in the bat family. I think it's a unique, it's a unique poll, like these three of the Bat family, you know? Yeah, well, it's always nice to see Tim Drake get a little bit of love because I, Absolutely. I don't enough. Having said that, though, I, I kind of prefer Tim Drake as Red Robin because, and I know this is going to get me hate mail, but um, Damian Wayne is my personal favorite Robin. What? Yeah. <laughs> mm. Go on. I'm sorry. If you go back at uh, if you go back and look at the um, oh god, what was it? The um, 
the Batman ISO challenge that went on uh, a few months ago. Oh yeah. <laughs> For Holy yeah. Bat Cats. Yeah. That, uh, that post about my favorite Robin got me a lot of flack. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, I, and I really enjoy the dynamic of um, Damien being Dick's Robin. I mean, as much as I like seeing Bruce and Damien together, for for some reason, it's like Damien works best as as Dick Grayson's Robin for me. I am with you. And maybe somebody will choose Morrison's Batman and Robin run one of these days. I do not like Damien Wayne, period. <laughs> I love that 16 issue run of Batman and Robin with Dick and Damien though. I think that is out of Morrison's big Batman Magnum Opus, I guess, whatever his uh, Magnum Opus is pretty good. Okay. Let's stick with that. His Magnum Opus. That's the highlight for me. I have mm-hmm. that absolute and I've read it over and over a few times. I just thought he really, he wrote those two characters well. So that I will agree with you 100%. Damien is at his best when Dick's the one under the cowl. And there and artists or writers since since then I think really can really zone in on that relationship and write it really well whether it's a really brief exchange or an entire issue between the two or something there's just something between Dick and Damien that does click really well. So to this book I wasn't exactly excited to see Damian Wayne. However, yeah, I'm with you fully on nobody can really control him like Dick can. And so I think Kyle Higgins really wrote, wrote their dynamic like really well, actually. Mm-hmm. Well, and I actually like the, um, the chemistry between Damian and Cassandra in this book as uh-huh. well. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of like the, yeah, so that's why this this works. This book works too with Damien because Damien's little shit Damien around her, but it works. And it's not because she just like backhands him and tells him to shut up or anything. It's like she tolerates him, but not in a way that is allowing him to step on her. You know, it, it, they just they do work well in the is it the iceberg the iceberg lounge that Penguin's in. And it's going to blow and they have to like the a bomb's going to blow. She helps work with him to get everybody out of the building. And then she just grabs him to take off. She's like, you're not going to dismantle the bomb. Let's just go. And it's almost like he can kind of whine and complain. Like, ah, you ruined it. And then she's just like, bitch, please got bigger things to do. And then just move along. So yeah, that works. And the relationship is so contentious all the way through the book until the end when they learn to trust each other. And that's usually the the best um, Damian Wayne stories is when it's like mm-hmm. that. Because uh, he is, yes. I mean, he's a little, he's a little prick. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so he, that, that's one thing at least that they've always kind of got in their back pocket. Whoever's going to include him in a story is that he's going to be the prick. Well, that means that he has room for evolution. He can't mm-hmm. evolve during the story. He's got some place to go by the end of your story. So by he could almost be like the easiest character to write then because it's easy to write somebody that's very unlikable and then to try and the challenge of getting them to a likable place. So 
Look at you defending your favorite Robin, he, who you admittedly said it was a prick. He is a prick. But that's okay. Right. That's okay. Right. <laughs> you know what? Raphael is a prick, and he's my favorite Ninja Turtle. So there you go. I hear you. I'm with you. Dynamic. Yep. It's something about something about that red, and that's why they teamed up so well in the crossover comic books and animated movie. <laughs> exactly. And if you have been keeping up with the um, with the deceased storyline, I have not. Uh, well, okay, I won't ruin it for you then. But um, yeah, don't ruin it. But uh, good stuff with Damien. Okay, okay, okay. He, there's nowhere for him to go but up with me. So yeah, exactly. Um, so there we go. And that's most people. I I understand that I, it's a very contentious pick for a favorite Robin, but you know, I I own it. As long as you own it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're not hiding anything. So Cassandra Kane, I guess we can talk. To, so, well, first I will agree with you on, I'm glad that Tim Drake is in the story. Uh, him as red Robin is great though. I was reading the comics and saw him go from becoming adopted by Bruce to Damien being introduced. And then he goes out on his own as red Robin. I don't keep up like on single stories with him. I keep up when he's included in Batman issues. Uh, yeah, what's same with me. what's the okay? Riddle me this: What does he do that helps distinguish him as Red Robin instead of just Robin with a different suit? I don't. I don't know that he actually does anything differently because he's always been like out of all the Robins, he's the best detective. Uh huh. I mean, and even, you know, Bruce has said, I think on numerous occasions that, yeah, Tim would be a better Batman than he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I don't know. I think it's that maybe that taking of his, of his own identity, because honestly, I, I appreciate Dick Grayson more as Nightwing or Batman than I do as Robin. I, I don't mm-hmm. know what it is, but I, I love it when they take their own identity. I don't know if Damien ever will. It will be it'll be interesting to see. I, I imagine someone will eventually write a story with him, you know, branching out and becoming something different than Robin. But uh, yeah, for some reason, it's just it, it's something I like to see that, that character progression, I guess. Yeah, I think it's in Hush that Batman says something about Tim wants to be the greatest detective. And by by the look of things, he will be or something like that. I think Dick makes a comment similar to that in this story. Mm. Yeah. I mean, he fully entrusts Tim with the almost like all the detective work, the detective work, the tech work, everything that's, that's all Tim Drake. And yeah, I think that's kind of what like our generation associates him with, because I take it by your email address. Were you born in 89? I was. Yes. Ha! Look at my detective work on my own. I was born at the end of of '86, so we kind of grew up with Tim Drake as our Robin, outside of the animated series in the comics, because the animated series was Dick Grayson, but comics Tim Drake was was Robin. So that I think that's why our generation definitely has a love for for Tim Drake as the this ver- as the Boy Wonder. Well, um, um, came in, in in the new adventures of Batman, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking, sorry, I was like, wait, the comics? No, I remember. No, I know what you mean. Yep. In the new adventures, he came in yeah. as a little combo of Jason Todd. Touch on 
Cassandra. So I read the Batman Incorporated run when mm-hmm. Morrison had that coming out too. I don't remember her being in another country as Black Bat. Like that's maybe I've just it's been too long since I've read that that I don't remember that. But yeah, apparently she for this story she came in from I don't even know what country, and she assists them. And it yeah. even says in here of like read Batman Incorporated. What was that? Is it Hong Kong? Yeah, yeah. Well done. Well done. Just tell me to zip it. Ryan, shut up. I thought you did your research. You're the host of this show. Why don't you know things? I've been slipping. I've been slipping lately. It started with Ryan Haas. I forgot how to host my show. He got me all nervous. And then I think once once each episode since, I just totally forget some things. But yeah, I found it here. And it's like, can Cassandra is Batman's Far East representative. See, Batman Incorporated. So yeah, I don't remember. I didn't remember that, but cool. Yeah, um, I like her. I like her in this. She works well with Damien, as you already stated. I mean, she's definitely beneficial to to the story. So, yeah, she absolutely is, and and I like that she she kind of keeps Damien in check. That's I think that's her primary function in this story. Yeah, because there always has to be somebody, and she does a good job. <laughs> somebody has to babysit the little prick, and she drew the short straw. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, I'm kind of hitting on everything I got. Is there any part of any aspect of this that you we haven't talked about yet? Um, I really don't think so. The only thing I really enjoy um, Dick Grayson as Batman. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that he. I think he leans on the Bat family more than Bruce does. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's because, as you pointed out earlier. You know, he gives Tim basically all the all of the detective work because he he knows he's not the the level of detective that Tim yeah. is. So he really that's what I enjoy the most about Dick is Batman. And if I'm going to read a Batman story where Bruce isn't Batman, I prefer it to be Dick. Yep, absolutely. It's just different enough that it doesn't feel like you're reading the same character. Yeah, and I think if. I'm more accepting of it being a bat family story when it's not Bruce under the cow. When it's Bruce, I like some of the stories that have him and Robin, whether that's Dick or Tim or him and Barbara Gordon's bat, uh, bat girl or like the three of them. But that's kind of like where that's it for me. I don't really solo or maybe two extra and that's it. But when, yeah, with Dick here, it's just easier to accept of it's a whole unit because mm-hmm. um, he just has his own unique style, and it's kind of hard to put into words outside of the fact of well, Tim's the detective. Okay, well then, what's what's Dick? I don't know. He's an aerialist, martial artist. I mean, you see it in his fighting in the opening, or not just the fighting, but like the interrogating, and then the the flying around zipping around Gotham trying to save people. He's just like sleeker and I don't know, maybe a little bit quicker than Bruce. So he is just, just different enough. Like you said, just different enough that that is, it's noticeable. It's somebody else underneath the cowl. And then, yeah, his, he can't do it alone. And so Mm. I like, yeah, when he's, when he's suited up and he's got the family. So it's a good point there, Eric, you've done your homework. I haven't done mine. I try. (laughs) 
Let's see. Should we go ahead and move to... Do you have a favorite part of this story? Favorite part? I think... Um... And I know we've we've just sit here we've just drilled it the entire time, but um, I think my favorite part is is the storyline between Damien and Cassandra. Hmm. And I love that that she saves him from from killing himself at at near the beginning with that bomb, mm-hmm. and they face almost the exact same scenario at the end. And there's that progression that Damien now trusts her, and she trusts him. And, you know, and they, you know, accomplished their goal. And I really like that, that, that progression through the story. Other than that, I think it's just the flashbacks in general. Mm-hmm. I, I love diving back into old Gotham. Uh, like I said, the, the period piece feel to it. Um, yeah. And the art is, is great in those pieces, whether it be uh, Trevor McCarthy or Dustin Wynn. Those, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's really fun to read that, that old school Gotham stuff. Definitely, as you said, makes me think of Gotham by Gaslight. Mm -hmm. I think my favorite part is the opening in issue one of the in the present. I just really like that. We're like, bam, there's there's Dick Grayson's Batman interrogating a guy. And then for two pages and then you flip it and then it's just the explosions. And then it followed that with him just zipping around, saving uh, trying to save people on the bridges and everything. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know. I just think that's a really, it really kicks off the story. Well, like we start off quote unquote slow with that history flashback to kind of set that, that up and then just kick it right into high gear with that. I think that's, it's just really well done. It looks really good. Uh, it doesn't have like long monologues or anything. The dialogues quick, which just gets me like looking panel, the panel, the panel, the panel flip panel, like, Good stuff. It's a good start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And to follow, to follow that question up, do you have a favorite panel? So I, I've been thinking about this the whole ep- episode. I, mm-hmm. I really don't have one favorite panel, but my favorite image of the entire book is um, the cover to book two. Uh, it's it's uh, which all the covers for this for this whole book are beautiful. Um, but this one in particular, I really like how they, how it's got Batman on one side and the architect with the top hat on the other side. And then you've got the red bat in the center and then uh, like almost like monoliths of the four influential Gotham members from the, from the flashback scenes in, in uh-huh. almost like statue form above them. And that, that every time I read this book, I stop on that page and just stare at it for a while because it's beautiful art. Yeah, so I'm glad you brought up the fact of the covers because I don't think I mentioned them at all. And I, yeah, I really like every, I think every single cover. Yeah, they're amazing covers. That, that second one's really good, but it's kind of confusing and, or not confusing, but I think, so that's the four, the four kings of Gotham, I guess you could say, one of them being Kane, but we don't mm-hmm. see Kane for a few issues yet still, I don't think. Actually, is Kane up there? Wouldn't, wouldn't he be one of them? So Cobblepot's all the way to the right. I think the next mm. one is Wayne. The next one is Elliot. And then would Kane be the one all the way to the left? I mean, that's my I... guess. But I don't know that we've that we've met him yet. I should have. See, again, I failed. I should have looked this up before I started recording. But... I don't think that that is him. 
Um, I think that's the I think that's the gentleman in the first story that's in the carriage with him. Oh, okay. Well, hey, that'll work. In the first book, and I can't remember his name right now. <laughs> Neither one of us did our homework. Nope. <laughs> Nobody's going <laughs> to listen to this podcast anymore. They'll be like, "Yeah, when Ryan and Eric talked about Gates of Gotham, they really, they really botched it." So uh. shut it down. This is the end. <laughs> yep, this is the last episode. So it doesn't matter. I can't host. I'm not hosting again. <laughs> uh, I think as funny as it is, because we just we just talked about Dustin Wen filling in, and how we love McCarthy's art. We love Wen's art, but my favorite panel comes from issue four, and it is. It is when the police are checking by the base of the bridge and they find mm-hmm. the Semtex. And then it's like three panels at the bottom of the page and the architect rises out of the writer, the water behind him. Like oh. that, that one always sticks with me. It's always stuck with me. I've always really dug it. And it's funny cause it's just one small little part of, of the story. But I mean, I've said that with all the stories thus far that we've covered of, like the smallest freaking things stick with me. And <laughs> that one speaks it's to me. A, it's very creepy. Yeah. I'm a horror. I like horror and I like creepy. Okay. And that is, yeah, that is creepy. And the coloring and everything's really good. Uh, I forgot to mention that I kind of thought it was a quick narrowing down to the suspect in the present, how it's this guy named Max Dillon, I think. And then they just go to his place and he collects old time things. And then it's an architect. The architect shows up and then they're just like, oh, yeah, he's a descendant of the gates. He's a gate. Yeah, I guess that would be um, my only quibble. I use cautiously the word quibble. That's like my only little one. Is it kind of just, hey, let's check out this guy. Oh, yep, it's him. (laughs) I agree. They get to that a little quickly. Um, but again, I think that's, that's due to the, that's due to the, um, the short, uh, series. Yeah. Where I think with a maxi series, they might've stretched it out a little bit, but it may have been too much. Yeah. Yeah. So though that can be my little quibble. And I say that only because I know I, I stopped and I went back a little bit and be like, well, did I miss something? And I was like, nope, it's actually just kind of that simple. Okay, mm-hmm. so if I'm not pleased with that, then what's the what's the solution to really stretch it out? And it's like, yeah, but I don't need it stretched out. I don't need some big backstory behind this guy. That's we like we got the point. He's a descendant. He he got in the suit, kind of drove him a little crazy. Okay, that's we don't really need to know anymore. So <laughs> that works. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. Uh, that's. That would be the only nitpick I would take with it too. That that happens okay. a little quickly, but mm-hmm. other than that, yeah, no, I don't have I don't have a, a worse part or anything. Not at all. Would you like to see this adapted into an animated movie? Oh, absolutely. I think this is tailor made for for a, a, an animated film. Um, it's it's nice and short, so I don't think they would have to cut too much out of it. But you know, knowing DC animation, they would tinker with it a little bit. Yeah, um, but I yeah I do think it lends itself very well to to an animated film. I don't know about live action. Yeah, I don't know. Like maybe they could take the they could take little elements and sprinkle it somewhere. Like maybe mm-hmm. Matt Reeves can talk about the can say 
you know, just in passing and it helps with some mystery of like, oh yeah, it was on the bridge. The bridge was constructed by uh, the Gates brothers. And then that's kind of it. It's just like, oh, there's a little nudge, nudge, wink, wink, Mm -hmm. Easter egg. But yeah, I don't think live action, it's definitely, it could be done really cool stylistically for animation. And yeah, like you'd said, being five issues, they don't really have to cut anything. They can even, they can add a little bit and take mm-hmm. its time and let it breathe a little bit. And it could be, it could be a quick 70 minute, 70 minute movie, but yeah, this could be, this could be a really cool animated movie. I'd love to see it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's gates of Gotham. Is there any, any last words, anything left to be said that you have not said? I just think, um, I think this is, this one kind of flies under the radar a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. especially, especially because I, I, it's got Snyder's name on it, but as we've said, I, it, I don't really consider it like a Snyder work. I think it's more of Kyle Higgins' work, um, uh-huh. and maybe that's why it does fly under the radar. I'm not sure, but I, I definitely recommend if if anybody listening, if you've made it this far, I'm sorry for spoilers, but uh, if you haven't read it, just give it a chance because I, I, for any Batman fan, I mean, even if even if you're not crazy about Batman not being Bruce Wayne, I think you should still give this one a shot because it's a really, really fun read. This is a strong story, I think. that I totally agree with you. It flies under the radar. It's not talked about enough. I think that's why I got really excited when you when you spoke to me about the book. I'm like, I don't know if somebody's ever going to choose this, but I am game for revisiting it again. And it motivated me to buy the deluxe edition. So, hey, thanks, Eric. <laughs> Uh, well, thank the, you for pointing out that it existed. <laughs> we helped each other spend money. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think it, it's great in a fun little history lesson of Gotham that we hadn't really explored before. It doesn't try to take credit of anything. It's, st- it can stand on its own. It's because yes, you were a little confused in reading and you saw that it was Dick Grayson behind the cowl. You also probably could get away with that of just oh okay it's dick grayson under the cowl and then just proceed as follows you know it's you don't need to do a ton of a ton of homework for this story um i like like you if i didn't know everything before and i would have gone back and researched everything so i'm like wait i need to understand why is he batman and stuff like that but i think it's a strong outing it's to me it's kyle higgins story um, I think mm-hmm. it'll always be Kyle Higgins' story. Scott Snyder's there in credit, but I think I it, Scott Snyder is a is awesome, and I think that he he's very modest, and that he would totally say, "Oh no, I didn't I didn't do much." Like Kyle mm-hmm. did this. This is Kyle's story. Um, he just provided a safety net. So underrated story, but definitely a good one. So if yeah, if you like being spoiled on stories before you read them and you haven't read it yet, go, go buy the deluxe edition. Eric and I did. <laughs> no <Absolutely. regret. laughs> I'll have to let you know what I think of that too. When I get it. All right. Spoiler alert. They, they changed the entire story. It's a totally different story. <laughs> like the architect well, kills everybody. And so is there other than the four words, uh, is, is there anything in the deluxe edition that I don't have in my trade paperback? I did your trade include the night runner. Yes. Okay. Then outside of that, there's some sketches from McCarthy in the back and then that's it. Okay. So, I mean, if, 
if I love a story enough, I'll get the new versions whenever they come out. Cause whatever. Cause I love the story, but I mean, just on a scope, this is like the pages are bigger. So the art, you get to see more like, mm-hmm. the arts larger and stuff. And then, yeah, that forward. So that's the selling point is the big, nice yeah. art. Yep. Yep. And for me, like I said, I had the original issues and that's it. And so it was definitely an upgrade for me of just getting a collected version in hardcover and bigger art. So highly recommended. So Eric, I want to thank you for joining me in the, on this adventure in the gates of Gotham. Absolutely. Thank you for the, uh, for the invite. This has been fun. Yeah, it's good. It's a good revisit. Um, good conversation. Now tell anybody that's listening how they can follow. If you want people to follow you, maybe you don't. If you want people to see what's on your mind or comment or anything like that, do you have anything to plug? Uh, sure. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Vero at MeCarter89. That's M-E-Carter89. And you can find me regularly on the Superhero Stress Podcast hosted by Philip Barker. Very cool. Give Eric a follow. See what's going on in his mind. Probably Batman. So it's a definitely a good follow. Thanks again, Eric, for joining me for Gates of Gotham. As I said at the top of the show, follow the Batman Book Club on Twitter to stay up to date on upcoming episodes. You can do some some homework before the new one drops. Also, I'll tell you about uh, new episodes when they drop and giveaways, which we've done. And there's going to be some more on the horizon. You can follow me on Twitter as well at Lauer underscore Ryan. Lauer, spelled like lower. And if you don't mind, please rate and review the show. The description has the link to go there for Apple Podcasts. Uh, just do one or the other. To, I mean, if you'd like to, it helps helps the show boost the, sp- the show. And yeah, that'll, that'll do it for this episode. So again, for Eric, I am Ryan. And until next time, read more Batman comics. Yeah.